Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, this is Devin and Aaron from Cavity Colors, and you're listening to Drop the Mic. I'm Charlie Brunson. I am Britain's most violent prisoner. Prison was honestly brilliant. I liked it personally. I oh, fuck that. I loved it. It was exciting. It was on the edge. It was madness at its very best. <laughs> The problem is, once you get comfortable, or sometimes even before, they ghost you again and again, moving you from prison to prison to prison. And I fucking hate that. Parkhurst, God bless that place. The accommodation was more than worthy of my royal self. Your own bed. Toilet. A sink. The food was of exceptional standard. Yes, Parkhurst was a corker. And whole prison, well, what can I say? Well, worth a visit. Scrubs, not my favourite place to visit, but the staff are ready to make your stay as memorable as possible. We had a laugh. How we laugh. Hey everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Drop the Mic. This week we unpack the filmography of writer-director Nicholas Winding Refn with our special guest and friend Christian Perez. Welcome and to the show, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we kind of sail off into this crazy uh, content, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So again, my name's Christian. I uh, work at the Digital Gym Cinema in North Park, a small nonprofit uh, art house theater 
if you haven't been there, please go check it out and see what we have showing up in uh, in the coming months. Um, we've got some cool stuff planned. I love working there. We get to show a lot of cool films. Um, it's a single screen theater. We have a shop. We sell uh, movie soundtracks, other movie paraphernalia. Um, and we're just in a really cool spot. So I'm there full time, but on the side I like to uh, make films myself, whether they're my own or with uh, some of my friends who are uh, out of uh, fresh out of film school, I should say. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of stuff, so come by and chat. For sure, thank you. Um, talk. Uh, you just wrapped up a film, right? Yeah, I did actually. You should, it was, plug, uh, you should plug that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Um, it's my friend's. His. It's my friend's film. His name is Nate. Um, he wrote and directed it. Okay. I just shot the film uh, with him this last weekend, and we wrapped it. Um, he's editing it now. It's called Tender Foot, and it's a coming of age um, scouts drama. Ooh, like, okay. So. Keep an eye out. It should be done um, hopefully in the next two weeks. Is it a feature length or a short? Short, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I was like, um, wow, that was quick. Yeah, no, <laughs> that would take a long, long time. But um, yeah, it should be done. We're going to be submitting it to film festivals uh, locally and uh, really just all over, anywhere we can can afford to submit it to. Very nice. Um, so keep an eye out. And if we have a premiere... Yeah, here in San Diego. So were you the the, the DP on, on it? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I saw some of those pictures, man. Crazy stuff. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it was fun. That was like my first official project, I would say. Like shooting it, doing the whole thing in pre production, storyboarding. It's a lot of work. I it's know, fun. It's I rewarding. Know. I went to uh film school. For a, for a while as well, so yeah. I know all about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. He's really passionate too. Nate's a really good guy. Um, he wrote something really special to him, um, and to see that passion translate is really a unique experience. It's and yeah, it's fun for sure, man. It's cool. All right, ready to uh, kind of dive into this? Yeah, let's go. Okay, um, Nicholas Winding Refn is a Danish writer slash director who's come to be known for his blood-soaked art house aesthetic. Nicholas was born in Denmark to a couple who also were heavily involved in the film industry. And when his mom and dad split up, he then moved uh, to New York for a time. Being dyslexic, he turned to the world of film. As a child, specifically the horror genre, I know he was he's very fond of uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is uh, pretty interesting. He later moved back to Denmark after being expelled from an acting school for throwing a chair into a wall. This is where he uh, self-produced and starred in a short film called Pusher. After getting airplay on a cable television on cable television. He was approached to make a small budget extended version of his film, but th by this time he had to make a uh, choice between going back to school or going guerrilla and shooting his first feature length. Of course, we all know how that panned out. Enter uh, Pusher, which is a low budget mockumentary style flick from 1996, set in Copenhagen and starring a very young uh, Mods Mikkelsen. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. 
I would say so. Um, the film showcased a man trying to earn by being a drug runner when he's uh, when he's asked to deliver heroin and is later intercepted by the cops he then has to pay back the money he's lost by collecting old debts so let me ask you what do you think of uh, Pusher the original the original Pusher is a really strong um, in the Actually, let me rephrase that. So, <laughs> it's um, coming from the mid-90s where we had, you know, we've had plenty of, like, films that have dealt with similar topics. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very unique perspective. Uh, it could have been just really bland. Yes. Um, and I think as, like, a first feature, it's... I mean, it's super. It's really solid. Like, it's definitely um, a heavy film to watch, as most of his films are. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, you can kind of see what you can kind of see where where he's at now, where that that comes from. You know, even with a small budget, where he can't afford like you know the lighting and um, it's. It's really cool, actually, to see if you watch Pusher now, <laughs> the original Pusher, and you watch uh, his latest film, uh, Neon Demon, how far those, um, how far those are from each other in the timeline. Yes. But how similar they are in structure, um, in character work. You know, he's got a unique like sense of style. Um, I'm like I'm trying not to like break into two and <laughs> too three much. yet. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's a really I mean it's a really solid first feature. And like if you um, we'll we'll go into like some of the the background info on um, like the production company that he had in Denmark before he came to the states and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean you really get a, a good sense of where he's coming from after watching his first film. <clears throat> I always thought it was interesting um, that... Th so this one basically is about all about, um, you know, the drug runner, and then from his perspective, and then the second one is from, like, the, the perspective of, like, his best friend, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then it moves on to the third uh, with, you know, like the, the kingpin right. or whatever. Right. So it was, um, I was always, I always thought that was weird. I think this was, I remember going to, um, you know, when rental places were around and seeing that crazy artwork all over. And uh, it always enti enticed me and I had no idea that I would fall in love with this director so much later on. And, yeah. in life but it, it is very interesting to see where like his roots and how he you can tell that he's just like totally engulfed in uh and has never really let it go like the violence and the grittiness and his um how do you say like his he's very dedicated to portraying like um the element of misf misfits or people who don't really uh they have trouble integrating into society regularly, you know, from like the gangster perspective and certain things. So it's really cool to see somebody who's kind of uh, would go on to kind of break out into at least somewhat into the mainstream 
and, and keep his aesthetic, um, you know, because there's not too many uh, that have really been able to do that and, and kind of not ventured off into something else. You know right. what I mean? As far yeah, as the genre, yeah. besides Tarantino or the obvious right. people. I, I 100% agree <laughs> with that. Uh, especially, you know, it's kind of like with him, you know, getting kicked out of film school, uh, being an advocate of just like do it your way, uh, that kind of attitude. And, yeah. Um, it's really, for me, you know, as somebody who wants to be a filmmaker as well, um, it's, a, it's like a really positive thing to think about. Like, yeah, of course you want to do something your way. You won't always get to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sacrifices you have to make, especially when, you know, because it just comes down to money. You know, who's yeah. giving you the money and who's in charge of the money but um, when I think about that and even his second film uh, which is Bleeder yes uh, both of those films are they they kind of have the same cast pretty much uh, and it's to me like Bleeder is so interesting on its own because it it's not connected to anything else. It's kind of just like the one-off in a way, because he did have the Pusher trilogy in mind. Uh, I would assume he did at least in the '90s, and uh, but he didn't want to like complete it right right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so jumping from Pusher to Bleeder, it's super interesting to see that kind of jump, even though they are similar. I think he kind of fleshes out. His character work a bit more in Bleeder. Um, this time we're not following. I think uh, Kim is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the lead in Pusher. We're following more Mads in Bleeder um, as a kind of sympathetic film buff, uh, who of course, um, as a character, is flawed. Most of his characters are. I would say there's not one good person in any of those films, but there's something that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. There's some certain aspects of uh, these characters that you can relate to. Um, it, yeah, he's really good at like kind of human, humanizing uh, villains. Yeah, definitely. So you're like, oh, well. Strongest suit, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, I mean, Bleeder is a little bit harder to see. I don't, uh, when I sought out Bleeder, I had to like buy like a Region B DVD of it. Yeah. Um, just because it had the English subtitles on it. And, uh, I mean, when I saw it, I was like, this is rough. (laughs) (laughs) This is really, I mean, especially in the climax of that movie, it's like, oh man, I don't think I could show this to anyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, um, if you love his work, it's just like, you just have to, at least once you have to watch it. Yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah. But uh, I guess Bleeder was critically acclaimed, but ultimately overlooked by uh, Danish audiences. Yeah. Which I guess I totally understand. (laughs) That's a hard movie to watch. It is. It is. As I guess, you could say the same for Pusher, too. Like, you really, really have to be in the mood, and it's kind of like... Like, you're not going to sit down and watch A Clockwork Orange every day. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I agree with that, too. Um, Especially, I can't even imagine, like, being in 96 just like watching that because it's so visceral yeah um especially if it was just given to danish audiences i mean i don't i kind of know i mean there's like the top i see the top three directors of that time in denmark were him 
uh, Lars Von Trier, of course, yeah. and uh, Thomas Vinterberg. Those three, of course, started their own uh, their own little movement, or maybe not together. Actually, I think Refn didn't want to be in it, but um, the I mean, the films that they were putting out at the, around the same time are also very difficult dramas to to watch. But um, this one kind of felt like a fresh like punch to the face. Yeah. Yes. At the time. Now it's kind of like we see it in almost every drug movie it's just like the same premise pretty that's i agree yeah um so after being invited to america again he moved to los angeles for his next venture in fear x which starred john Turturro, and told the story of a mall cop whose wife is killed suddenly which causes the cop and our main character to begin uh, obsessing over hours of surveillance footage its intense nature and David Lynch-esque style didn't fare so well as he came into financial troubles, setting his career back, being a million dollars in debt with uh, his company NWR, I think it was called. Um, and with an, his newborn child, he then returned to Denmark to film Pusher 2 and 3 in order to pull his family out of a massive debt uh, kind of crisis. And... I guess I, I found out that he never he vowed never to uh, make any sequels of Pusher, and so he with his back up against the wall, that's why he kind of uh, fleshed out these other two entries, which ultimately um, helped him and pulled him out of that situation, and you know, kind of gave him the I guess the edge to do what he did later on in his in his career, but um, Pusher two. I think uh, is is really good, uh, you know. As we f follow more uh, M Mod's character, mm -hmm. who is he's not the brightest. He yeah. gets yeah. None of them. Are. He, <laughs> he gets into trouble, and it's crazy. But you know, he's always that guy. Is always commands the screen, and he was yeah. good even that early. He was he was always uh, you know kind of this phenomenon to watch. So. Yeah, uh, he still is. He's yes. so good. Yes. He's one of the best actors, uh, even now, I would say. Both, right. And he still, he works, uh, of course, here in the States, and he works even still now in Denmark. He still puts out um, films over there. And it's just really, I think it's really cool to see how big he's gotten, because he is just a natural talent. Like, yes. It's incredible. And then Pusher 2, like that film... It's just like raw power. Like he is uh, actually, he's like a really bad. He's a terrible person in Pusher Two. <laughs> like he does some really bad things. But of course, you know, in that kind of in that world, in that setting that he's been put in, you know, he's not going to be a nice guy. <laughs> he's like there for a reason. Um, and as like the middle piece of the of the Pusher trilogy, it's definitely an interesting step. I say when I when I watched all three of the films like back to back, um, two, I was I was expecting like because the end of Pusher is so climactic. Yeah. Um, I was expecting it to just like carry on and complete like find out what happens to this person, you know. Yeah. And then see where it goes from there. But it's not. None of them are really connected in that way, which is, I think, it makes it even better. Um, 
because of like a linear structure, I think would have kind of taken away from it. it. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, it would have made it worse uh, if you like actually try to make it a linear story between the three. Um, but I think actually three is my personal favorite. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I love one and two, but when I watched three, I was like really moved by it. And it's uh, that final scene in the warehouse is just rough. Well, what would you uh, would you agree that the end of I think it's part two uh, that has one of the only one of his only real like good happy endings I would say mm-hmm. like throughout his. Uh, everything that he's done yeah like, I mean in a twisted se- sem- semi happy yeah ending I right. guess <laughs> right yeah it could be for, worse for him for right. him yeah I should say mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think uh, 3 is really strong because it's like just stops giving a shit about you know it just becomes so much more kind of visceral mm-hmm. in uh, I guess where you're at and I could uh, I could see why it'd be your favorite because it's kind of like you're not expecting where it goes I guess or yeah how me, far you fall right right to me it's like uh, I mean like I like to watch I mean I watch everything you know mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I enjoy just going out and watching I have as much as I like these like heavy dramas you know I I love these you know crazy giant blockbusters yeah. Um, but if I'm going to lean towards something specific, it's going to be more of these these heavy dramas yeah. uh, that I like to just soak into. And to me, Pusher 3 is actually like a really strong character drama because it follows, uh, I don't remember the character's name, but the actor is uh, Slatko. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably not pronouncing that right, but he is kind of like the kingpin, um, tra- like tracing back to one... Um, and it doesn't clear up anything like what happens in one and two, but it follows him in his day-to-day life and his family and his daughter and how his life and his um, career choice has impacted all of those things. And so to me, I think that one is why it's so strong is because it does, it gives you something like more real like something more realistic mm-hmm. than one and two are even though they are you know they're gritty they're definitely realized but in three it's like the culmination of this entire world finally coming to an end and kind of seeing like what kind of world this is mm-hmm. like if this is the choice you're gonna the road you're gonna head down um you know ultimately this is where you're gonna end up if you even want a sliver of a life, you know, and you have to make these decisions that are like, I Great, mean, how yeah. could you live with yourself? Yeah, you know? yeah. but because um, it's can, a really strong. I mean, it's a really strong trilogy. It paints these people as like normal individuals that just have a really fucked up kind of job, I guess, and I it does really. Uh, they bring in like kind of bigger character bigger side characters from both the other two the past installments mm-hmm. and they have cameos that are that are really cool for the other you know for fans of the other films right and um uh and then you know it kind of switches where the main characters aren't you know uh 
Dayton, you know, Danish or whatever, mm-hmm. which I guess was its downfall critically for them over there. They didn't, re- they really hated that. Yeah, I guess. Course. And um, I guess so. Pusher Two saved saved his career and earned him a number of awards and nominations with the the Danish community. But Danish critics weren't too keen on Pusher Three, which ultimately led to Refn to vow never to make another film in Denmark again. Right, right. <laughs> so, while in the uh, UK at this time looking for another English language project, he's offered a gig of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Marple, I think is how you pronounce it. Oh, Agatha Christie. Yeah, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes. And, uh, what you got to do? What you got to do? And this is where he actually meets um, his longtime editor, Matt Newman. Mm-hmm. Then uh, then Refn gets the script for Bronson. He agrees to do the film on the condition that he can rewrite it. So 2008, uh, Bronson stars Tom Hardy and is the story of one of the UK's most notorious inmates, Charlie Bronson, who while being incarcerated for a small crime added years to his own sentence by causing violent chaos on the inside. Um, This is where we finally get a taste of his pop synth uh, taste with the track from Glass Candy and Johnny Jewel. Yeah, I mean that's the beginning really, you know. of course, I didn't. I should say that uh, in the timeline, of, uh, I didn't obviously watch these films. I mean, I'm only 24. Yeah. So, like, I came into his world through Drive, most like, you know, all fans. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of trailed backwards. So, um, when I saw Drive, I, that was the first time I was exposed to any of the Italians do a better uh, band mm-hmm. or artist. And Johnny Jewel um, as a musician and a composer. So, hearing, getting back to Bronson, like hearing that that's that song in that specific scene in Bronson, um, it like makes it almost makes the movie. It does. Yeah. It's it's so strange it's like when you think of Bronson, you just think of that that sequence and that song. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's so cool that mixed with Pet Shop Boys, with New Order, and then all the classical compositions that are like intertwined. Because mm-hmm. um, there's no original score; it's just all music, uh, classical pieces, and then the you know the synth pop songs. Um, that's really like the first. That's a really strong soundtrack. You know, that's the first. Um, that's a like a really 
interesting piece because he doesn't do that again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just straight like synth now. Um, even with Cliff Martinez, like, yeah, he's mostly just doing these ambient kind of synth pieces um, in his you know later works even up until now with his new show coming out next week. You already know what it's going to sound like, but that how strong of a force Bronson is in Tom Hardy's performance as Charles Bronson, um, and just that whole world because he, I mean. And I, I mean, I watch interviews with this guy like, all the time, mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I go back to them too because they're just so. Some of them are just so funny because he just says the weirdest things, you know. <laughs> but some of them are like really like um, truthful, you know. He's definitely like uh, he has a unique perspective on things. Yes, um, yes. And you can agree with what he says, and you cannot agree, or you can think he's like you know. Uh, just like full of shit I guess you know (laughs) but a lot of these guys are Um, a lot of these crazy filmmakers are Um, so when you went like with Bronson he said that he he never really wanted to make a film about Charles Bronson he just um, sympathized and I think related to the fact that you know he's always just wanted to be famous mm-hmm. and you know both him Charles Bronson is the same way you know he just did what he did because he wanted the attention um, and he didn't give a shit and, you know that's why he's still in prison but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is crazy I mean and and in my honest opinion like Tom Hardy's an excellent actor but Bronson is the role that I think like he just can't top like it's just the best thing that I've seen him do and I don't think I'll ever get to see him get to that level again because he is really strong in in all of his films but he doesn't really like go he doesn't reach that level it's nothing that challenges him the way that that was because that was like a strict the entire thing is on him right you know what i mean and i know that he was like super obsessed with uh charles bronson Mm -hmm. and had so he had this affinity for him already which probably led to all the crazy amounts of detail and stuff that are in that movie right and it just makes it I remember watching that for the first time and I was like totally fucking mind blown. Yeah, it's a crazy movie. Like it is, especially in two thousand. I think two thousand eight that came out. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. I showed that as soon as I watched it, I was like, oh my god, I have to share this with somebody to as many people as possible. It's insane. It's insane. So I showed it. I remember showing it to my brothers, and they were like, they'd never seen anything like that before. They weren't sure what to think about it even like he was just like oh that was weird but it eventually became one of his favorite movies because it's so bizarre yeah um yeah it's just nuts it's a crazy movie tom hardy is so good in that movie he really is breaking the tons of breaking the fourth wall and yeah it's uh it's crazy i actually i shared that with uh my older not older sister, but she's the oldest. Mm-hmm. And I have three younger sisters, and she she fell in love with it. And I think that I've kind of shaped her uh, movie taste, and that's one of her favorites. Like, she yeah, it's always great to do that to to find to give somebody something to love. It 
and always great. And my brother's the same too. Like there's some films that I've shown him when he's like, oh, okay. And they're just like, just like he's never going to see that again. Uh-huh. But then there's other ones that connect, you know. And that's really, just, that's just the power of film. It's true. Yeah. Did you know that, um, that I guess when Refn and, and Tom Hardy met for the first time and they sat down to talk about starting the production, I guess it went horrible. And they didn't like each other at all. Wow. And it was so bad that Refn immediately wanted to, he was looking to replace re- Yeah, replace Hardy. And, and I think and, I do remember reading about this. I think like, almost, he almost got Jason, right? Jason Statham? I th- yeah. Which would have, no. Yeah, that would have been awful. That would have <laughs> just been like another action movie. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't work out. Yeah. I did. I think I remember reading about this now, but it's been a while. That's so funny. I'm glad it was Tom Hardy. I th- yeah. Um, where was I? So the film, this the film basically launched Tom Hardy into the mainstream after, because right after he starred in as Eames in Inception, and then of course uh, uh, he played Bane as uh, in uh, Dark Knight Rises yeah. for Christopher Nolan. So right. I feel like at, right after Bronson, he became kind of like this household crazy name. big star. Even I mean, even now, yeah, he's just definitely a household name and it's uh, I mean it's really cool That's that was like his first Bronson was like the first film I mean I'm sure he was in smaller projects but he had some other stuff but it was very it was like the pusher kind of stuff right, where right. it's not going to really reach too many people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm glad you know I'm glad we got we got Bronson out of him before we got you know Dark Knight Rises yes yes yeah. Uh, yeah, give him a little, you know, that that underground piece that he needed, like right. his hard edge. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, intense movie, man. Yeah, Visicolor forever. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um. All right. So Refn's next picture would take him into Scotland for a Viking tale known as 2009's Valhalla Rising. Once again, reuniting him with uh, Mods Mickelson. And, uh, of course, this one's uh, another fucking banger, dude. This one's crazy. Now, this one, I haven't been able to convince people like this is a good one. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, the Reffin fans love it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But I haven't had the same success with Valhalla as I did with Bronson, you know? Bronson, because of the sheer... Right. Um, how do you... Like, the, the, because Hardy's so charming... Even though he's just not like not yeah. completely out of his you know mind character, he has this sensibility where you can follow along even though you know he's you know completely full of shit probably right. the entire time. So right. it's really weird. But but um, Valhalla Rising, of course, because it's a lot slower pace and very weird. It's almost like trying to convince someone like. Someone who is a very main who likes Transformers, they're not going to go and and appreciate 2001, right? The way that we would, yeah. You know what I mean? Not to sound too pretentious or right, anything. Right, right. No, I get it. I get what you mean. And I and I feel like Valhalla Rising is for you know real cinema fans, yeah. And and that's going to kind of isolate it from a lot of um, other viewers, I guess. Unfortunately, yeah. That one, I would say, of all his films, probably the one that most people wouldn't get through entirely 
just because of how slow it is. It is a really slow film. It is. Um, but it's, I mean, yeah, it's a great one, too. I mean, it has its, it has different merits, you know. It's not the same as Bronson. I think what I like, too, most about him is that every film that we get from him is going to, like, up the ante, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and this one, you know, he did that just in a different, like, he shot it in a different way than he did Bronson. It's structured differently. Very experimental. Yeah, super experimental. Like the cinematography is insane. Yeah, it's but very, so, very beautiful. Yeah, you know, even yeah. with that, just that opening and and those mm-hmm. lights that we get are just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, you're like looking it's, at a painting. Yeah, practically. Right. I feel like to, that. It's so funny because that movie is really violent. Um, just in like. In, but the story, it's like, because it's set like in, you know, these guys are like Vikings or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's like heavily uh, impacted by religion um, and fear, I would say, you know, which are two really interesting. Like anytime you make a film about religion and it's also horror, you know. Yeah. You're going to get, um, what is it, Annabelle? You'll get Annabelle, <laughs> and then you'll get Valhalla. <laughs> so, um, that's the, basically, that's like this. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Spectrum, yeah. Um, and this one is really, I mean, it's completely, it's just mad. You know, some of those sequences, especially like in, after they get off the boat, you know, and everything is just like, like uh it's like they're in hell yeah that's what it is i think it, that's exactly what it is it's just like you're watching this is hell on screen which is interesting because i feel like they set you up where you got these viking dudes that are real like super um savages yeah like insane and i know a lot of people had a problem with that because it's not your typical viking perspective and um, and then they're they're trying to flee uh, the Christian oppression of that time, and so it's kind of ironic that they take a wrong turn on the boat, and then they just end up in this entirely like new world, right. uh, un you know, uncharted territory, if you will, mm-hmm. and then it just goes fucking haywire yeah. uh, from there. Right. And Maz is always on point. Anytime yeah. they're together. Yes. And it's funny, um, I've seen interviews too with the both of them, or even just like when they're on their own talking about each other. Um, they're great like work partners. Like they know exactly what they want from each other, mm-hmm. but they're entirely different people outside of their projects. So like they wouldn't hang out with each other, you know. Oh, like, so it's a completely work-based relationship. Yeah, and because he like, they're just good. They're so good with each other. They know exactly what they're going for. They can, they can understand each other. But um, I think he said, like, you know, all 
Nicholas wants to talk about is just like film, and then he just wants to like watch sports, you know. Okay. So it's just like I, you know, I, I totally understand. But it's great to, that we get this relationship because it's one of the strongest uh, director actor, you know, connections. Yeah, I would uh, totally agree. I think that he, yeah, it's like he was. They were kind of born for each other in yeah. a way. I hope um, we get to see them again. Together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, working at a film together. Because they are coming out in that video game, which is insane. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's, that's... I never thought I would get that in a million years. Yeah, Death Stranding is a, a spectacle, man, for right. sure. I can't... Uh, very, very excited. I've been waiting so long for that. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't even know what... The, I mean, I saw... It's just, what even is that game? But I'm excited for it. But you... Were you... You uh you ordered that ba- the fucking baby thing, I right? Did, yeah. <laughs> I had to. As soon as like I knew everybody that was involved, like I was like, Oh, I need to get this. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I'm, yeah. I'm doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, would you agree that, that uh this Valhalla Rising is probably his m- most experimental film at that point in his career since Fear X? Yeah. I'd say of his entire filmography, those are the only two that are actually like experimental spherics okay. and Valhalla the other the others well, are more accessible well only God forgives kind of teeters oh, that line yeah of course I kind of forget about yeah. <laughs> but um but it's not as yeah. wild as yeah it's, it's still more like you can uh, you know yeah you can follow only God forgives whereas the other two are like <laughs> <laughs> but they're great they're all great I mean we didn't even we didn't speak too much on Ferex but I think Ferex is a sleeper hit for sure. Yeah, yeah. You can see all of his. You can like. That's when he had the budget to really do what he's known for mm-hmm. now. Um, making it here, I think, in or it might have been in Canada or something. But and that's probably is. I think is only PG thirteen. Yeah, film. It is. Right? Yeah, and it's still like pretty. It dumb. has that. Yeah, pretty grim. Right. Yeah. It has that kind of like. This hopelessness that right. he's yeah he's very good at like he's so committed at um, developing his atmosphere mm-hmm. and he's just like a fucking master he can and that's why he's able to have like Gosling where he doesn't talk right whatsoever and it yeah. still just works because it's still, yeah it's so good he knows what he's doing he knows what, as much as like people don't you know you don't have to like his movies and you don't have to like him because he is the most polarizing film director currently working, I would say. I don't think there's anybody else that is putting out work that's just so divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's just hard. I mean, it's not hard to explain, but um, you can't... Like, he, he just knows exactly, like, he's... When he wants to write, his it's going to, you know, like in Bronson that's great writing mm-hmm. you know but he knows when when he's you know when he's not giving a character so much dialogue as much as Tom Hardy did for example you know because he knows it, it just doesn't need it and he's good and he knows when he needs to do that and I think most most of his work now I feel like is that way mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah I mean this new series is going to be insane. It is. It is. I don't even. I don't even know what to expect. And I've been following him for so long. It's just like I'm. 
I'm gonna get through it just fine, but I'm scared for other people. Is it, um, and it's a series, right? Not a mini series, so it's yeah. supposed to be going, continuing on for a while. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, hopefully. We'll yeah. see how it does. I mean, we'll see how people react to it. Um, I definitely think there's gonna be, uh, you know, the diehards will love it. Um, I guess I shouldn't say that, but you know, <laughs> they might not like it, but. You know, you're, they're, his fans are going to like it. Some people are going to get into it. Some people are going to really hate it. It's just uh, how his films are. How he... Everything he makes is like that. Uh, especially as of late with Only God Forgives and Neon Demon. Both of those are just, like, completely divisive. Like, somebody will... Of course, everybody, you know, who doesn't, like, drive. But I do I still like de- I st- I'm still in debates with people about Neon Demon just like oh yeah and Trust it's fine me, I, I mean it's fine it's, yeah, yeah you know like you don't have to like Neon Demon <laughs> but it's you know it's just like uh, some people like it just it depends on what the material is I think it just always comes down to that and how you how people can connect with it Oh, where, yeah, where it's set in, you know, right. because, like, for example, Valhalla is a, is a period piece, and not everyone's going to... That's going to kill some of your yeah. audience right there, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think that it's definitely um, not too far off to say that he thrives, like, in L.A., mm-hmm. when his set is, yeah. you know, this CD underbelly of Los Angeles, which is where this new show takes place, right? I'm glad he's back. Yes. I'm glad he's back. But I loved Thailand. I mean, Only God Forgives is so good. That's might be his most underappreciated yeah. piece of cinema. It's so good. And at first, I mean, I do have to admit, when... Because Drive was the first film that I had seen of his when mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, like most people, I anticipated Only God Forgives to be similar to Drive because he was back with Ryan the trailer like for sure neon hinged everything was just like oh great this is gonna be amazing yeah and it is amazing but when I watched it especially I was I think uh, I was 17 at the time when it came out oh really yeah um and I remember like it came out at the same like that comic con weekend um, yes, it did. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm going right after I'm done here. So I went and I saw it at that writing cinema that was in... in right there in Gaslamp. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, what is this? You know, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't... Because it was nothing like Drive. Mm-hmm. But that's perfectly fine, you know, because it's so good. Like, I just... After, like, it came out on Blu-ray, I picked it up. I watched it a couple times. You know, I tried to, like pick up different um perspectives from mm-hmm. these characters i try to understand what like these characters were going through because ultimately like when you think of reference work you just see externally you just see violence you know you see a lot of um you could say that most of his films are misogynistic um he's everybody's terrible you know so these aren't like things that are easily accessible these aren't things that are you know things to be proud of or whatever but to me like i think why i connect with reference so much and why i find 
his work to have like an importance um, is that one he's always pushing the envelope he's always you know making it more open the field a little bit more open and he's lucky that he's able to do that because not everybody can yeah um, and then another reason is like the first time I really knew I wanted to be a filmmaker or somebody involved in the film industry whatever it may be um, was when I watched Drive mm. because that of course that movie is like it's it's an instant classic you know it's it just is. gonna live forever but um when i saw that movie it was literally the first time i thought to myself that making a movie like like this one or any movie making any movie is possible because before then i was just like okay we're getting transformers we're getting <laughs> um you know these like you know Terminator, mm-hmm. whatever, like these crazy big movies, and not that there weren't other, you know, amazing indie dramas coming out at the time, but it was the first film that I actually connected with, mm-hmm. um, and, one, and you know, and it made me believe that I could do it, that I could be a filmmaker, and so that's why I have such a strong connection to his work, and that just carried on into his uh, future work. So. I think with, I mean, when Drive came out and Only God Forgives and then eventually, you know, the Neon Demon, each one, I feel like he gets a little crazier, Mm -hmm. each one, you know, and it's, he's not trying to do the same thing each time, which I think is super important. Um, As a creator, like, you obviously don't want to just be treading over the same water. Well, he seems very, like, set in Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His own ways where he's literally making the movie that he wants. Yeah. He's not making it for the people. Right. He's just doing what he wants. And he's like, well, fuck it. If they're on board, they're on board. But yeah. I'm going to do what the fuck I believe in. Right. Or whatever. And right. for him to have the kind of... And I wouldn't say he's like a hugely successful but the amount of exposure and the awards and everything that he's gotten is yeah. very very it's like it's very um uh how do you say i don't know just it's insane yeah. that he is able to keep stay around you yeah know what i mean he's and, very fortunate yeah um, he, he's gotten very lucky uh but it just goes to show like if you work hard and you do what you want to do. And you stay know? on track and just, yeah. People are going to want to work with you, you know, and that's how Ryan wanted to work with him. He hired, he basically said, I want this guy to direct drive. Yep. And it happened because Ryan is like, 
you know, he's up there. You know, he's A-list. Um, let's uh, let's talk about Drive a little bit. Yeah, Drive. Let's cool. <laughs> um, so, when in L.A. scouting for his next picture, he sits down with Gosling, who is very interested in working with Refn for an adaptation of the novel Drive, which was under universe, uh, Universal Pictures at the time. At first, Refn wasn't interested in, until a certain car ride where uh, Ario Speedwagon played uh, played in the background, and then Refn kind of has this epiphany, you know, while driving with uh, Gosling, and and kind of mentally breaks down, and in that he uh, he gets the vision for for Drive, and that's why. Um, I've read the I've read the the book. It's very short and stylistically, it's not really anything like the movie. So you can tell where he kind of his vision comes into play with the jacket and the right, right. you know you know where he he moonlights as a wheelman and drives around to this specific mm-hmm. kind of tunage and stuff. So I honestly I think that. Had anybody else done Drive, it would just been a bargain bin type of deal where yeah. uh, we would have got some transporter knockoff, you know. Right. And uh, and Drive is definitely one of my f- most anticipated films of my entire life. I followed it coming, you know, as it was being made, as it was coming out. I couldn't. I was just. I was hoping it was going to be like a, this beautiful piece of cinema, right? Mm-hmm. And then going to see it. You know, opening night, it was, um, I don't know, it like really changed my life just the way that you said it changed yours, where it was um, hugely relatable, everything I wanted to see, aesthetically, the lighting, the music, um, Cliff Martinez, you know, their, which that was like their debut, like working together, which would be, you know, move on down the, his filmography, but... Um, the juggernaut cast for such like a small it i think this was his bigger his biggest budget to that date but it was still a smaller budget where you're like how the fuck did he get all all these people yeah to be in this christina Hendricks. yeah it's crazy you know, know um, i think it was like four million or something like that something small ten ten oh, i think it was 10. okay well, yeah <laughs> a little bit more but um because they do a lot of like crazy accidents and yeah. there's a lot of you know the action is uh, very well um, you know spread out and the violence and stuff that which is very visceral but you don't get a lot of it mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people are um, don't like it because yeah. they think that it moves too slow right. um, and that's where it comes into play where people who aren't you know big on art house are going to talk shit on this. But it's a lot better than, a, you know, so, like, name, I don't know if I could name a better movie that came out that year. Or yeah, I don't, I don't think I could either, honestly, because I was so obsessed with that movie. And I had just bumped into it. It's, it's funny because I didn't know. I mean, like I said, I didn't know anything about Riffin. I didn't know who he was. I wasn't even big on Ryan. You know, I just like, you know, here's this movie. It's out in theaters. Let me check it out. Because I was... I liked going to the movies. Mm-hmm. I wasn't big on movies at the time. Okay. But, um, you know, I like to check out these kind of, like, random movies. I've been, like, always going to see, like, these giant, uh, you know, tentpole films that were coming out all the time. And they still do, but it's just, like, 
jumping into like these different movies, you know, but I'd never really thought of these as like being special. <laughs> I just liked that they were, you know, different. They were trying to tell a story that wasn't, you know, just rehashed or already have been told in some kind of way, yeah. or like a sequel or whatever. Um, so when I saw Drive, I watched it with my brother, one of my older brothers. And I mean, I can speak for him too. He had definitely never seen anything like that before. And I was kind of thrown off because I had seen the trailer before going to see it. And the trailer like butchers the whole thing. Yeah. It's like not at all the vibe of the movie. But what I got was even more powerful because I wasn't even expecting that. Um, and I can't say that uh, from day one, like as, as soon as I saw it, I was obsessed. It took some time for me to kind of like really comprehend what I had just watched because the first, you know, 40 to 45 minutes of that movie, that's really just like a romance drama. Yeah. Um, and then it kicks into high gear and becomes this kind of like this uh, action, somewhat action And it follows it, you know, all the way to the end. And it's just like, never seen anything like that before at the time. Um, and now we have all these imitators oh, yeah. of Drive. You know, and they're, they're all fun in their own way. But it's, you know, you can tell where they come from and what how big of an influence he's had on the entire industry. Just with that one movie alone. Yeah, I think the whole, like, that resurrected that this um, kind of 80s nostalgia mm -hmm. that we are in now, you know, with the neon font yeah. and, and, and everything's uh, neon, right? Yeah, and the soundtrack and the use of those hot, that hot pink mm -hmm. is everywhere, yeah. you know, in artwork and all over. And um, it's just, it's so strange to think that we almost didn't get this. Yeah. Because you it's know, insane. Refn, yeah, Refn, uh, you know, at first was like, no, I don't, I don't see it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't get it. And so we were just super fortunate for all of these things to align to get this perfect, yeah, this very perfect movie. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It moves. I know Ryan actually did have a lot more dialogue in the um, the script mm -hmm. that he refused to to say for whatever reason. Right. Which is uh, very Good. strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, when you watch it, and uh, like I'm one to buy a lot of physical, like yes, yeah, movies. Like I'm a big collector for sure. Definitely. Um, I try to limit that now because it just takes up so much space. It does. But um, you know, like watching the best thing about having a physical copy of anything is that it's usually it'll have like supplements you know special features or whatever they call it um and i like to watch everything that i can uh, for any of the reference movies if i can't if there is something to watch you know and for you know the bear the drive blu-ray is kind of bare bones a little bit there's mm -hmm. only a couple featurettes on it yeah but there's been other editions of that movie you know that i've did you ever get the uh, the Best Buy exclusive pop art one? I did get that one. The Steelbook? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically the same thing, but just it has the Cooler art. Yeah. Because I was so upset at that standard Blu-ray art. That, yeah, that it's just the poster. So trash yeah, to me. It's bad. That, that, just that poster is bad. Yeah. Like with the scorpion on the front. It's not even on the front. <laughs> and I was like, what? They're just like, yeah, they butchered that for sure. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I was still going to buy it, you know. Yeah, that movie's of course, so good. of course. Yeah. Um, and I probably have too many editions of Drive on Blu-ray, but 
it's just uh, it's just it's crazy you know seeing seeing everything they've done together how well of a relationship it's like his with the way he works with his other actors mm -hmm. it's just so everything is aligned and he, I think he knows when that's gonna work you know definitely and segueing into Only God Forgives like I'm so glad because I'm so glad that Brian ended up in that movie originally it was supposed to be Luke Evans yes um, and I'm so glad it wasn't Luke Evans he dropped out like a month before they were supposed to start production. yeah which is a really jerk move like, <laughs> why would you do that but I'm glad you did it you know? <laughs> um, uh, and then you know we've I've spoken on it a bit already, but that movie is on a different kind of level, like beyond how uh, dangerous this world is in Only God Forgives, beyond the violence and, uh, you know, the foul mouth, other, you know, everybody involved, you know, they're all terrible, even Ryan's character, but going back to connecting um, with these characters and with these worlds mm -hmm. like the reason I think I sympathize so much with him and Only God Forgives and why I think Only God Forgives is something that deserves to be uh, rewatched if you didn't like it on your first watch yeah um, it's just that just to like not it's not about the symbolism you know there's symbolism in everything it's just about like these characters like if you don't care about these characters then sure you're not gonna like it I totally understand that but there's always a reason for what these characters are doing you know and not all of them are good reasons but with Ryan's character specifically um, he is the only reason He's done everything that he, or I, let me, I guess I should say it differently, but the only reason that he is the way that he is is because of his mother. Yeah. You know, in that film specifically. So he's kind of a victim. Yeah. Um, and way. he does things because he's messed up. You know, he's a messed up guy. He definitely has his issues. Uh, but he's trying to do the right thing, you know, even though he's not doing a very good job and also... To him, the right thing isn't exactly the best thing to do in this scenario. But you can see where he's coming from. Definitely. So I think it's something like if you're on the fence about rewatching it, if you're listening, if you're on the fence, if only God forgives, uh, and you just like loathed it when it came out or whenever you saw it, please rewatch it and just think on it because it is an experience. It definitely is. Um, only God forgives, of course, because I loved Drive so much. I was, you know, super anticipating this. I'm like, oh, it's going to be set in Bangkok. He's got Gosling attached again. Like, they're going to create that magic. Yeah. And I definitely, I went to go see it uh, right away. And and um, at by the end, I wasn't. I was kind of indifferent because, and I think that that's kind of the point is to watch it multiple times and kind of decipher what exactly he's trying to say. Um, but at the same time, I really respected it because 
uh, even with, with Drive and then this one, you kind of see him understanding the perspective of, uh, you know, women a little better with Camry Mulligan's very strong performance and uh, she's a little bit more fleshed out than the, the rest yeah. of the women, the one, one dimensional, you know, women right. of his, uh, of his, the beginning of his career. Yeah. So I really like that. And then with Chris, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as Gosling's mom and, and the kind of the head of this huge drug ring you know what i mean she has this power and yeah she's a bad person but she has layers there you know and is kind of uh um someone who you're kind of scared of right you know what definitely. i mean yeah. which is um not a not something you see <clears throat> in hollywood very much anymore so i really like that i really liked how he set up his mythology where you know the main cop uh doesn't have a lot of dialogue and he it's it's almost like he's um he is in a sense uh god you know and he goes around and and uh he kind of corrects things that he thinks are, are wrong and yeah. that's why uh gosling's family his brother is uh he he um he murders and molests this underage woman mm -hmm. or little, you know, girl, and and that's what kind of brings these two together. And uh, it turns into instead of Gosling avenging his brother's death, he realizes what you know that he did something terrible, yeah, and that he deserved what he got. And then it becomes this kind of journey into Gosling searching for his own religion, yeah. and ultimately he he um, he takes on the you know what he thinks is is the cops religion or i guess the symbolism of of bangkok right in a in a way yeah uh, you know towards the end which a lot of people i don't think get or they are too lazy to interpret <laughs> um i know it is very very artsy uh again aesthetically very beautiful with the lights um i think the it's very well acted a lot of, of of crazy violence but again it's it's very spaced out and um very very polarizing yeah a lot more polarizing than drive right i sure. would say that was really the first one that is that tore people apart you know when it premiered i think it premiered at can but it was just like oh my god this is trash or whatever <laughs> you know like First reactions, um, which it, yeah, it was like a 50-50 split, you know. And that's how I feel like everything he's going to put out now is everything's just going like, to connect with some people, and it's not going to connect with other people. But when you, it's very strange for me that people would be so harsh on this because it feels it feels very authentic to what he does. It's yeah. it's almost like how could you not expect him to do something like this? Right. Because he's always been someone who pushes the envelope and tries to outdo himself and yeah. you know and and kind of streamline as far away as his last project as he can. So, you know, given what we knew about the film and where it was going to be set, it was kind of like not too it was like a no-brainer that it would be something kind of far off and weird and leave you kind of uh, cringing a little bit. I think that that was, uh, you know, his intentions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, always, you know, just expect that from him, especially with new content um, in this new series. Like, it's just going to be bananas. Like, I don't even <laughs> know. 
what's what I'm gonna get really you know which is insane and the you know with, to kind of wrap up only God forgives it's like be like what you were saying at the end um, Gosling's character is redeemed mm -hmm. there is that sense of redemption and his penance is like you know he loses his hands which his whole life is his hands and yeah, it's made clear yeah, yeah. yeah it's made clear in the film that because he he runs uh, the Muay Thai boxing ring right. which is like the the front for the drugs and mm -hmm. and you know he's supposed to be which I failed to bring up but he's supposed to be this intense like super good fighter right and then you know he challenges the cop to a fight basically mm -hmm. to redeem his 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 brother and he just gets the sh living shit beat out of him yeah. and can't even lay a hand on on, on the dude so, right um, yeah it's very very it's very very interesting and I definitely agree with you where people who maybe didn't understand it or hated it should probably give this uh, another another chance yeah try it again just put it on it's probably on Netflix or something it's a beautiful there's a beautiful score again yeah. uh, Cliff Martinez one of his best I would say yeah um, one of, I mean and that film is one of my favorites of Ruffin of like the ten movies I think that he's made uh, actual films um it's yeah it's I always think about it when he got produced and then that you know then the Neon Demon came out that one is even more polarizing <laughs> yeah. that one my girlfriend absolutely hated like, really yeah she just she'll never watch that movie again she and that's I mean that's that's how it is <laughs> I feel like I should have just expected that when I took her to see that movie mm -hmm. Um, but you never know what you're going to get with him. So with the neon demon, to me, it's like, he's, uh, the first time he actually approached a different kind of world, mm -hmm. um, fashion, the fashion industry, but in his, in his very like localized, centralized vision, like okay. that's, you know, obviously the industry is not like that. I mean, some parts of it are, but you know, it's not that crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it is. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like, because um, I went to go see this right away. Yeah, of course, same. being a being a big fan. But I, I almost expected it to be, like, what it is a, a, a horror film set in the fashion world. And of course, you're not gonna get this like fairy tale type of deal. So there is this kind of sense of dread and and and, and weirdness throughout it. The, you know our main uh, character Jesse is underage and they f they fucking hide that yeah to kind of exploit her beauty right so right there is always like it's already like whoa red flag this is crazy and by that point nothing's really happened that's bad right and um uh I just I really love the movie and I think by the time that you get to the end it it closes up and it's it's very um, it's very slow, the way that you would expect any of his films to be. He right. takes his time, and he's very like, uh, how do you say, like, uh, you know, like Lynch, or uh, or even Coppola. One hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. Coppola, or you can definitely see his um, his you know influences throughout all his work, but. For people to, because I feel like they really hated on Neon Demon, and I don't see why. And I can understand 
oh, that's not how the industry is, blah, blah, blah. But you have to kind of do this thing that I thought a lot of people, uh, a lot more people n knew about called suspension of disbelief, where you need to, you know, put yourself in the perspective of ref and, and, and just kind of take that ride and set aside what you know about whatever, you know, the, this, um, the, you know, his plot is based around. Yeah. So if you're from the fashion industry, you should set that aside and kind of watch it for what it is and, and his interpretation of it. And um, to me, the um, his moral of this story was is to basically show you that uh, it's kind of attacking the media and the fashion of of our world today and how what what we're you know how we're kind of hurting people by um how do you say like our like what we perceive beauty to be yeah you know what i mean and then that becomes this staple of everybody needs to be like this and that's why it it turns into in a sense cannibalism in a way right where uh you know everybody you know the sharks come out to feed in a sense in in you know after this young lady is is hugely successful and everybody pays attention to her and mm -hmm. and they and they want what she has and and in a way like symbolically that it definitely it does make sense yeah. as far as you know where how the fashion world is now and you know in modeling and stuff so i don't know yeah i really like it that's a really good point um a lot of people don't see it that way you're 100 percent correct <laughs> like the so with like the first time I watched the Neon Demon um aside from my girlfriend like loathing it like just under trying to understand what these what the central themes to this film are and it's easily narcissism and it's easily obsession uh but you know there's in a horror film there's fear there's gonna be in his horror films there's gonna be violence and there is um and the and then trying to find you know the relatability or how to relate to these these characters you know but the strongest part for the neon demon to me is hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His character work. To me, his character work is, like, really fleshed out in this film. Mm -hmm. Um... And it isn't a film that's like super packed with dialogue, but it definitely has more than drive in when God forgives. Yeah. So I think he was 
you know, he's made what he wanted to make, but he, I think with him and Amazon partnering up in this film, I think they were trying to get more of a crowd to come see this movie because it was marketed as a horror film. Yeah. It had these these incredible actors, Elle Fanning, Christine Hendricks, Keanu Reeves. Um, uh, Jenna Malone. Yeah, Jenna Malone, who's so good in that movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's insane. And I'm glad she's back for the show. I can't wait to see Jenna Malone. But, um, uh, and even, um, I'm forgetting his name, but he uh, was the head of the, like, the runway show. Gosh, he's such a good actor. But he's so good. He's like in the when they're in like the booths. Oh yeah, and he's not paying attention like where he's like not when they uh yeah, they yeah. first hire right. uh, Jesse. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So good. His monologue is really good too. But they're all just all of them, they're all narcissistic, you know. And they're all again feeding into their own egos, which is common in all of his work, you know. But these, this time he's dealing with women, you know, and he, I like the process that he put himself in, um, in pre-production, you know, he wanted to surround himself, uh, he wanted to have like a, a female crew, you know, he had, he hired, um, a female writer who I think helped co-write the film with him. Uh, There's female, two, uh, two other two, one, people, two of them, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A female DP, which is great, you know, um, great for the perspective of the camera. You know, you get a different uh, eye line, but if, it is ultimately his film, so he has full command. So it is a Nick Ruffin film. Yeah. Um, but um, I liked that part of it, and I also think that it's it's an interesting step in his career, um, coming from all of his other work because everything is so uh, like centered around men mm-hmm. um, in all of his worlds so getting the Neon Demon is really like a fresh perspective too for him and I think he can only move from up from the Neon Demon I think it's a definitely like a, it was a first for him and I think the reason that I think the reasoning for why he wanted to make that movie was be, because of his family I mm-hmm. think his his wife and his two daughters um just always being surrounded by them and uh i forget the what he said but he always says like some weird thing and like he's like this is why i'm making this now or whatever but um i think it was something like along the lines of just being surrounded by them every day and surrounded by their beauty and what that does to people and stuff like that so along with like media what that does to people, you know, social media. Um, not that that was a big plan in the movie, but like, if it were, I feel like it, it's just getting crazier with, especially with models and fashion and um, influencers on Instagram or whatever. Like, it's so more accessible to become a celebrity. Yeah. Like overnight. Right. With social media, and it's a, just because of your face. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just because your or your body or whatever. Yes. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you're just selling yourself. And that's what, that's what it is. Um, and I think, again, just with Neon Demon and Only God Forgives, like if you weren't too hot on it the first time, watching it, uh, try it again, you know, if you 
it's it's not really something like you have to um, like, you know. But there's just like there, it's just something to be appreciated, I guess, you know. Um, but if you really don't like his work, then just don't, you know, just <laughs> just stop there um, because it's only gonna get crazier from here, especially with this new show. Yeah. Yeah. What's it? Uh, what's the title again? Too too old to, to die, die young. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's insane. I mean, I'm glad he's still with Amazon. Uh, I'm glad because Neon Demon was like a box office failure. Well, I mean, them choosing to open it so wide was probably a mistake. That was yeah. That was why. Because I'm glad it was wide though. I'm glad it was accessible for people to go see. But nobody saw it. But. I did. <laughs> but unfortunately, I was one of the only ones. Right, right. I took my brothers to see that, too. Because at that point, I just like I just take them to every Ruffin film now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually my half-brother, who's like my age, okay. and my cousin, who's like two years younger. Um, and they're... I mean, I could say that I've also shaped their kind of film taste over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were very much like anyone at the beginning of pursuing film or just lovers of film they like watch tarantino which is completely okay but that's like where like everybody knows tarantino everybody knows his work and it's just like they're great films um but you don't really like venture too far past that for like similar styles of films you know and you you know you go see your blockbusters and you see these movies everybody's talking about but you don't if you don't know you're not gonna you're not gonna be exposed to these kinds of films so I'm glad that I'm able to share this kind of like passion with them yeah um digging a little deeper into things that are more more obscure right stuff right yeah and it's it usually has to be I mean they're not gonna like sometimes I'm I'm like a low-key kind of like you know relationship drama and that's just my style Mm mm-hmm but and they're not going to really be too into that kind of thing but if it deals with like horror if it's like art horror or if it's like um something kind of like um like a something they can just like relate to without being bored is essentially like there's maybe if there's some kind of action or whatever but it's still like an art house title like i would say the raid for example the raid is oh yeah you know, kind of underground a bit. I mean, it's kind of popular now, but when it came out, for sure. Yeah, when you jump into that, that's fucking yeah. insane. Um, they love that stuff, you know? And that's... I mean, I'm glad I get to share with that with them. So, this new show, like, we're, we're just going to go through the whole thing. <laughs> I don't I don't know how Amazon works with their shows. I don't know if they put all the episodes out or if they just do one a week. Uh, I believe, because I, I watched Hannah... And I think oh, okay. they dropped it all at once. They dropped it all at once. Yeah. Wow. I don't think I'll be able to binge it in a day because it is really long yeah. from what I've read. Okay. Um, well, that's good, though, because I don't... It's always sad when you you watch something too quick and then you're left to wait an entire year or yeah, sometimes two years right. uh, for the next season. So I'm glad that they really put a lot uh, into that. Yeah. And I can only imagine production was so long. I feel like it would, must have been months, like more than six months to shoot that whole thing. Because it's ten episodes, I think, 
each episode's like 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be a super long time. Like, I can't even imagine that process. And even in pre and post, that must have taken a really long time. Because I know they wrapped a while ago. Yeah. And he's been editing this whole time. Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> and I'm, I can't, like, I literally cannot wait to watch it. I don't know... I, I mean, we get the idea of the concept of the series, but I don't. I just don't know what exactly he's gonna give us. You know, yeah, which is insane. And I feel like it's gonna like everybody's gonna be on t- on top of their game, like all the actors, even well, these people who are aren't as well known as some of the the big the big names. But from all the uh, the kind of clips and everything, it looks super on par, like a return to form for him. Yeah. Um, so I'm super excited to, to check it out. It drops on the June 14th, right? Yeah, next... Not this Friday, but the following Friday. It's going to be gnarly. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's, I'm not sure, like... Uh, I'm, the, I think I'm most interested to see how far it takes you as mm-hmm. a viewer. Yeah. And then how many people are going to stick with it, you know, a few episodes in. Because I have a pretty... I mean, I have an idea that it's going to... You know, the first few episodes, are, you're going to understand where this is kind of going. Yeah. And if it's too much for some people, they might just stop. You know, Or some people will just eat it up and just watch the whole thing. But I think this is easily the biggest... My biggest television... like, Or my biggest anticipated title in television uh, for the year. Like, And I'm getting it in June. So... I just I don't I, th- I feel like we get one of these series like every so often it's like very rare to get something that you'll like because I watch a lot of TV shows I'm more of a movie person like I I prefer just jumping into a movie and knowing that I don't have to come back to it like yeah. it's just two hours and I'm done not committing yeah. as hard yeah. right but um, I've been trying to keep up with television I've, and there's a lot of amazing shows like TV is like on point right now, but when I think of like the television shows that were most people are consuming, whether it's like Game of Thrones or it's um, um, Barry, you know, depend all the kinds of. I mean, those are two HBO shows, but like anything on television, these shows like people just watch to consume time, and they're great. But you, I feel like they're just like gonna be like forgotten like most shows are like there's only a few shows that you can look back on that have had such a big impact yeah because there's just too much you know like not everything is gonna stick with you forever um and that's like you know classics like twin peaks or uh, uh, like soprano yeah soprano's breaking bad classic. the wire um what's that the office even you know like the office will live forever as much as I hate saying that you know like um there's some shows that it will stick and there's some shows that just you know you forget about sink into the the void you know Mm -hmm. because there's just so much content but um what I mean by that is just like I mean what I mean by this being like a series that's like even I mean I don't know Let's say that it uh, he does get to do it again, another season or whatever, or he, if or if he doesn't, you know, this is like one of those that might 
be one of those cult TV shows, you know. Yeah. Even and he, I know he said that he's not interested in television at all. Like he does not care for the medium. But I feel like with Amazon, they're just like, okay, just do it your <laughs> do it your way. Yeah. And really, this is just like a long movie for him. Yeah. Um, or his decalogue because it's ten episodes, and more, you know, just like these ten pieces that he got to create and it's not at all like television to him which is great you know hopefully it gets to live up to that level of like Lynch's work because they are very similar yeah Yeah, I'm super I'm ready man yeah I've been ready (laughs) Uh, when I went to and we actually talked about this before I went up there but when I went to see Drive at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery Mm -hmm. which was I think last year maybe last year last year yeah yeah he announced that he was doing that and he gave us like a uh, sneak peek before anybody nice um and it was i was completely kind of uh railroaded with the information Mm -hmm. where i wasn't um i was just excited to get something new from him you know what i mean after coming off the neon demon i know you know it was kind of a disappointment as far as people going to see it and uh being a fan it was just nice to know that he didn't let that discourage him and he's been he he moved on to do something else and kind of telling his story in a new format and i hope it i'm I'm, i really really hope it works out for him right even though i'm not sure he he really cares yeah (laughs) i mean we'll see like any any moment just like in the neon demon he could just be done he could just they won't he won't get funding for any of his projects you just never know with his kind of abrasive style mm-hmm. um, and it really I mean it comes down to who's producing the film or the project whatever it is who's acting you know because acting brings money in yep um, so we'll see I mean we'll see what this does maybe we'll do a recap after it's over or something that'd be awesome but um, yeah I mean as for the future I the, hopefully the series you know does well for him we'll see if he I know he's attached as producer to some projects um, I think Maniac Cop is finally hit oh, the really? ground yeah nice. with him somebody else directing of course but yeah he's um, always uh, yeah executive producing I know he like he oversaw it, the It Follows soundtrack yeah and he's always which is great yeah. yeah I love that too if you like listening if you like soundtracks on vinyl get all of those they're so good he hasn't put one out in a while actually but yeah I think they I think they're just taking a break like him and Milan Records because he's been working on this project for so long but uh I mean there was a pretty like steady amount of releases coming from him and Milan um Old Boy was the first one I think that they did and then it follows there's a Robocop which is a great one yes um the original Terminator he also uh, kind of I think remastered that one with Milan which is also a great release he did one where it's kind of like the B-sides too right I think so yeah with the uh, you know like the eyeball and the lips mm-hmm. as a cover yeah 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 that's right for Neon Demon a bunch yeah. of unreleased stuff yeah. that one's actually um, discontinued now. really yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm glad they bought that but um, that's a great record too I love that one he did uh of course, the documentary that his wife directed. Uh, oh, the uh, my life. My life, yeah. 
um, which is great actually for behind the scenes only God forgives kind of like humanizes the project uh, because he's very much a family man yeah like if you just watch his films and nothing else like you just think this guy's like off his rocker like he's just a crazy dude or whatever but he's you know he loves his family he does it everything basically of course because he loves to do his job but it, also to take care of his family he's just like a regular person um and it's just great to see that like gosling and the Kristen scott thomas uh working together behind the scenes and like it's just like it's just fun you know you get to see as much as it as much as it is to like work on a film and to like make a film it's a it's already a hard thing to do and um it really shows like the toll that it takes on him um especially at that period because he was like peaking peaking off drive and the anticipation for only god forgives was so high yeah that he was just like this is not at all like drive and people just aren't gonna know that or people don't know that so he was afraid because this only god forgives is not meant to be commercial like drive but uh definitely watch that there was the record for that too and um and then you know beyond the show it's uh death stranding you know so if you're a gamer that's the game is that uh exclusive for ps4 yeah Ooh. so if you don't have a ps4 get on it yeah go pre-order yeah. all of that stuff it's yeah, gonna definitely. be it's gonna be nuts that's like the only game i think i'm gonna get this year oh really much. unless naughty dog just throws me a curveball and it's like gives me the last of us too but i don't think that'll happen this year that uh that trailer looks nuts the yeah. new trailer for that yeah it looks amazing i can't wait um <clears throat> but death stranding oh yeah aka looks, our silent hills it's crazy <laughs> yeah I wish that happened though. Too. Yeah, I still have uh, I still have the yeah, PT <laughs> on my. Uh, I do too. I don't, yeah, I won't ever delete. <laughs> Hopefully, it still works. I don't even. I haven't even tried it. I don't know if, I it'll, think if it, it'll like kick me out or something. I think it works. Okay. It's only uh, it's only if you deleted it, you can't get it back. Right. Unless they locked it out. Somehow. Yeah. Hopefully, they didn't like update it, <laughs> or you can't play it at all. They would do that. They would. <laughs> they <Yeah>. would. <laughs> Um, so do you want to plug uh, our the collab we're doing for Inglorious? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, as most of you know, not related to Revan, but Quentin has a new film coming out in July, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so Wes here contacted me and said we should hype up the release by showing a Tarantino film at Digital Gym. So we landed on Inglorious Bastards. Personally, my favorite of his work. I think his best writing is at play in um, *Inglorious Bastards*, and the characters are all incredible. The acting's incredible. It's just the funnest to me of all of his films. Yes. Um, so please come out to that. That's Thursday, July 11th at 8 p.m. and that's presented by this podcast. So please, please come out. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for doing this today. Yeah, totally. It was, uh, it, was it was it was a lot of fun. Hope yeah. to have you back very soon. Yeah, we should do that recap after the series or after, depending on how they put them out or whatever. Yeah, we should do one after we watch them. Definitely. Yeah. 
Uh, you can find us, if you stumbled upon this podcast, you can find us on all major platforms, uh, anywhere you listen to a podcast at. So please look us up, give us those five-star reviews, or if you have a second, write a positive review. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about Don John. Don John. Which is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, directorial debut. Um, how do you feel about that film? I don't think I've actually seen Dungeon. You've not, you haven't seen it yet? Yeah, I don't think I've seen Dungeon. Cool. Um, that's just, I don't know. I think I'd probably enjoy it. It looks kind of fun. Kind of goofy. It is. In a way. But um, I don't think I watched it because I wasn't into the idea of Joseph in that film. Yeah. I just didn't want to see it. The, uh, the Guido? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> but um, it looks fun. It looks fun. It is. It is. Especially when you break it down, like uh, what he's trying to really say by the end yeah it's uh, very surprising and kind of pulled the wool over everybody's eyes in, mm-hmm. in a sense but yeah that's coming next week if you're interested nice. and uh we hope you enjoyed this special episode where we kind of break down nicholas winding refin and uh please support that new show it's gonna yeah. be awesome check it out and let us know what you think send us uh can they send you stuff like yes, yes. yeah yeah let us know if you hate it if you love it um you can personally DM me telling me that it's garbage. That's uh, okay. What's your What's your handle, sir? Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> of course. Um, on Instagram, I'm mostly on Instagram, so just there is fine. It's darkly obsessed, and that's spelled just as it is in the dictionary. So or the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the digital gym uh, was at uh, digital gym SD. Uh, yeah. Yep. You can. You'll always find me at digital gym uh, in North Park. I work there, I'm like almost always there. Yep. Um, so stop by, hang out, come see a movie. Um, it's a cool spot. Really we is. also do like video game tournaments there occasionally. So if you're into like party games like Mario Kart, Smash Bros, you know, come out. We'll have one pretty soon, I think. Yeah. Follow sure. us on Instagram. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again, man, for being on. Thank you. It was, uh, it was a whole lot of fun, and until next time. Yeah. Later. You Shannon's buddy, right? We met last year. You drove me and my brother back from Palm Springs. That's my We hired another wheelman. I spent six months in jail. My brother, he got himself killed. I got this sweet job coming up. How about this? Shut your mouth. Or I'll kick your teeth down your throat and I'll shut it for you. Nice saying you again. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.